Pastor Tim is coming today with the message. And um, there are three texts. They're all from Mark chapter 7, verse 5, verse 34. Oh, sorry, sorry. I stand corrected. The last one is from Romans 3.24. From the Gospel of Mark. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? 7.34 He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Emphathatha, emphathatha, which means be opened. And from Romans 3.24 And are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Tim. It seemed like everybody's getting sick, except me, thank God. Well, you should all be washing your hands if you want to get sick. <laughs> I'm knocking on the wood because uh, my immune system is uh, very low and suppressed due to my heart transplant surgery. So my doctor told me, if you don't want to get sick, if you don't want to get cold, you've got to do three things. And it's been about 25 years since I've had heart transplant, I've been keeping this up. Number one, don't kiss babies. They say kids are filled with the germs around their uh, cheeks. Second thing is sleep minimum seven hours, preferably eight hours. And lastly, most important thing he told me, wash your hand as often as possible. So those three things I do. If you notice, you come to my office. In my office, I have a basin in the case that I forget to wash uh, after doing something so I can wash my hands. Well, we are continuing with our series on the book of Marks. Today, Marks chapter 7. Now, Mark, the book of Mark, in overall, is about the good news, the saving grace, and the deity of Christ, the Son of God. So let's unfold how the washing hands have anything to do with saving grace and the deity of Christ. So here's the story. There were Pharisees and teachers, the makers or keepers of the law. The fact of the matter is they didn't really like Jesus that much. Mainly because Jesus was doing something they cannot do. Like performing miracles, healing the sick, saying things in parable that they don't understand, but sounded very, very profound. So what were Pharisees and, and teachers were doing? They were observing Jesus and his disciples, observing every move they make to be able to zap them one of those days. Don't we do the same thing when you have somebody new coming to your school, transfer, or in the company, a new hire? You don't approach them right away. You just watch and observe. You're looking for sometimes, before welcoming them, you look for some way to, you wait to see if that person trips. Then you can say, ah, got you, kind of thing. 
Now, disciples enters the scene. They walk in. They must have been really hungry because they were coming from the marketplace. They were doing something. And they walked into this place. And they did something that is completely and totally unthinkable. They start eating without washing hands. Well, today you may say, what's the big deal? We do it all the time. At that moment, it was an aha moment for those Pharisees and for teachers to begin to criticize or accuse disciples and Jesus. So in verse 5 of Mark chapter 7, they step in. They start the debate or they start the accusation saying, why aren't you not washing your hands? We could say today, that's none of your business. Mark 7, 40 says, so the five, so the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? In other words, not washed. Well, that's right. They should have washed their hands. So now, I listen to my doctors. I wash my hand. Remember in those days, in those cultures, they ate with their hands. That particular church, they didn't have chopsticks. They didn't have forks. They didn't use spoons. They used the hands. So they should have washed their hands. It only makes sense. They probably came from very dusty roads. They didn't have any paved roads like we have today. But for some reason, the disciples, they didn't wash their hands. And that's the question. Shame on them. They should have. How serious was that? To that culture, that was very, very serious. How serious? It's like an event, like if we have an event, and we are all like sitting over here, and somehow all these pastors come in our like lobby, and you're kind of watching them, how they converse, and then the food is served, and you're all watching, and, no, and you notice all these pastors are eating food without praying. Boy, there will be lots of commotion. How could they? The pastors, the holy people, how could they eat without praying? It's the same kind of deal, except it was far worse back then. So what's the meaning of all this? Remember the book of Mark. Whenever you read something, whenever you look at the law, you have to look at the intent, you have to look at what is it for. The book of Mark is about grace and the deity of Christ. So you have to look everything under that light. So this illustration is about grace. The truth to be told, that in those days, it was about 
the proper procedure, the rituals. It's not even about washing hands that matter. What mattered to them was how you wash your hands. And if you, even if you wash your hands improperly, it's like not having washed at all. You see, in those days, to wash their hands, they had to go through an elaborate ritual prescribed by tradition. For example, they had to wash, not just hands, when they washed, they had to wash from hand all the way up to elbow. And if you don't wash hands ceremonially, then the hand is not considered clean. Mark chapter 7, verse 1 through 3 says this. The Pharisee of the, some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, in other words, not washed, that is, unwashed. Verse 3, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. So why was this washing of the hands so, so important? Well, the better question is, why was the procedural washing of the hands so important? Because it's not about sanitary reasons. It's not about personal hygiene. That's what we think it is. Because today's standard, when we wash our hands, it's for sanitary reasons, it's for personal hygiene, to get rid of all these germs from our hands. Not at all. In those days, it was nothing about that. It was about becoming clean before God. That's what it meant. You see, in those days, before giving sacrifice to God, before giving the burnt offering to God, they had to wash their hands. It's coming before God asking for that cleanness to, to be righteous before God. To them, it was about sanctification, the continuing process of being cleaned. And Jesus comes and tells them, no, it's about salvation that comes from grace. That when you believe in the Son of God, then you are clean, then you are justified. The justification that the sinners like you and I are declared righteous, declared clean before God in faith. It's not about procedural washing of hands that makes you clean. So what does this all mean? We are justified by grace, a free gift through faith in Christ Jesus. So Romans chapter 3, 24 says, and we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. In Romans 4, verse 1 through 3, says this, referring to the rituals of Old Testament, that it's not just about ritual, it's about the faith. What then shall we say about Abraham, our forefather, discovered in this matter? If, in fact, that's if, in fact, Abraham was justified by works. He has something to boast about, saying that if 
Abraham was justified by good deeds, good things he did. He can say, look what I did to deserve this. And Jesus is saying, that's not what I'm talking about. But for even Abraham, not before God, what does the scripture say? Abraham believed in God. It wasn't about the procedural. Abraham believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteous, clean. And as clarification, verse 4, now when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. When you get paid for work that you did, it's not a gift, it's an obligation that you owe to the person paying you. However, to the man who does not work, but trusts God, who justifies the wicked, his faith, yes, his faith, is credited as righteous. It is all about by faith, not by work. So in the story of washing hands, what was really happening was the Pharisees and teachers were basically charging Jesus and his disciples, and they were basically putting them on notice. And Jesus continued to stress, you do not become clean by following tradition. You become clean through the faith in the Son of God. It is not by work, but by faith in Christ. So let's go back to the story and try to understand their culture. To Jews at that time, they are required, they are required to wash their hands. It's no option. They are required to wash their hands before eating the meal. The ritual involves you have to have two handled cups. I didn't really study in depth to understand about all this, but it has to have two handles, like you see on the picture. And the water had to be poured twice on the right hand, followed by twice on the left. A procedural. Right? Twice. Left. Twice. And after washing, they must, they must recite this blessing. It's in Hebrews, but I'll read it in English. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has sanctified us with your commandments and commanded us concerning the washing of the hands. So you can see that the washing of the hands at that time was not about personal hygiene. It was not about sanitary reasons. And one more thing. It was customary back then that when you wash your hands, from the time that you wash your hands, from the time you give thanks to God, you're not supposed to say anything. You have to stay silent. So you recite this prayer, and you keep silent, and you, I suppose you sit down in some place, and, and the moment you grab this bread, and you, until you give again the, the thanksgiving to God, you're not supposed to speak. So what is the origin of the tradition? It goes back to the Lord saying to the Moses, to wash their hands, and feed when they go into the tent of meeting to offer 
a sacrifice. It was a requirement. It was ritual they were so used to. It was more like a natural behavior. You don't think, you just do it. No one had to remind them, hey, don't forget to wash your hands. It's part of their life. It's like we don't walk out outside without any clothing. You just don't think you put something on. To them, washing their hands, to be clean before God, was requirement. But what is interesting is this. Here's the, the core of our message today. But isn't it interesting? The disciples and Jesus conveniently forgot to wash their hands unless unless they were told not to. The fact that disciples did not wash their hands suggests one thing and only one thing Jesus most likely told them not to wash their hands. Otherwise, it would have been natural for them to wash their hands. Because it wasn't about hygiene. It wasn't about sanitation. It was about becoming clean before God. Now, Jesus saying, with my presence, the ritual The procedure is no longer required. For anyone who believes in me, in Christ, will be sanctified, will be cleaned. This illustration is not about simply washing the hands. It's about grace. That grace is sufficient. Grace is enough. Don't bog down on the rituals and traditions. Because what is now greater than any ritual of tradition is here the presence of the Son of God. It is faith in Jesus that will bring ultimate sanctification, the saving grace of God. Saving grace. It's not about procedural or ritual event, but it is by faith alone. This is very powerful illustration. It is not about washing to get rid of germs. So verse 6, with this question, more like accusation or charging of us having something uh, done wrong, by the lawmakers or the keepers of the law, it is interesting how Jesus responded. Mark chapter 7, verse 6, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. It is written. It's interesting that Jesus is not backing off. And he is directly confronting them. Instead of addressing the actual question, 
he goes right to the core of it. And he knew he was being charged or accused. He knew that it was not about washing of the hands. It was about their way of denouncing the credibility of Jesus, the deity of Christ. So Jesus lets them have it. He says, you hypocrites. And he recites the credible verse from Old Testament that these lawmakers were very familiar with. It's, us, it's like saying Jesus to them, like in today's wording or phrase, you don't like me, do you? You're just picking on me. Is that kind of the things that we said all the time? The kids said this all the time. You don't like me, do you? You're just picking on me. That's exactly what is happening. I had an incident when I was in the hospital. During my second heart transplant, which is about some 20-some years ago, I suppose I was already 41 years old, you know, pretty mature and older guy. But there are many patients waiting with me who are in the 60s. And uh, they called the one guy over there mayor. Mayor of what? Mayor of heart transplant patients. So we were supposed to listen to what he says, because he's older guy. So when they're in the lounge, they sit in the couch, they put their feet on the coffee table or adamant all the time, watching TV. So one day, when nobody was there, I went to the couch in the lounge. Then I was, nobody was there, so I just sat down on the couch, and then I put my feet on top of the coffee table in Adamant. And some of those older patients with the mayor came into the lounge room, and the first thing they say was, put your feet down, it doesn't look good. I wanted to say, you hypocrites. Oh, what's wrong with it? You do it all the time. Or what I really wanted to say is, you don't like me, do you? Because I'm a new patient here. Well, I decided to go along for the piece of it because my situation was a little different than the situation these disciples are going through with these Pharisees. My situation was I already knew the grace. They didn't know the grace. So Jesus had to confirm and had to tell you hypocrites, I didn't have to do it because I already know the grace. So Jesus says, by reciting a verse from Old Testament, to give this credibility to these law keepers. Mark chapter 7, verse 6 through 8. These people honor me with their lips. Now, this is the, actually the verse from the Old Testament. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. In other words, Jesus is saying, you are stuck in tradition. 
Verse 8, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of man. And I love this living Bible translation. So let me just read it to you. It's kind of interesting that you can look at it and, and, and comprehend uh, uh, even better. The living Bible translation says, these people speak very prettily about the Lord, but they have no love for him at all. Their worship is farce, meaning it's humorous, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. For they claim that God's commands the people to obey their petty rules. How right Isaiah was. For you ignore God's specific orders and substitute your own traditions. You are simply rejecting God's law and trampling them under your feet for the sake of tradition. Ouch. Then Jesus tells them. Mark 7, verse 14 to 15. Again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this very clearly. Verse 15. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. What's the meaning of this? Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. What does this mean? No ritual, no tradition, no works. You can't do anything to make you clean except through Christ, that which is grace. And what comes out of a man that makes him unclean? It's not the ritual. It is what comes out of us that is going to declare that we're unclean. What are they? Jesus explains. Mark uh, 7, verse 21, 23. For within out of man's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immortality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All this evil comes from inside. It makes men unclean. After this, after teaching about grace and teaching about deity, then he begins to show. How does he show? He goes on to heal a woman possessed by evil spirit. And right after that, Jesus heals, heals a deaf and mute man. And he says, be open. Mark chapter 7, verse 34 through 35, he looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, Ifata, which means be open. At this, the man's ear was open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. As the story of the washing hands speaks to us about his 
amazing grace, the healing of daughter of evil with the evil spirit and the healing of a deaf and a mute man reveals that Jesus is God. He teaches and he shows. And people were just beginning to wonder. He must be someone special. He must be God. In Mark 7, the concluding verse of this chapter, verse 37, the people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. They said he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. People are beginning to see that this rabbi named Jesus must be the son of God. And his teaching and his works of miracle are proving the deity of Christ. And here's the core of the message. Jesus said, be open. If father, if father. Our prayer is that we are to be open to receiving his grace. And we are to be open in knowing that he is our God. Be open to his miracles. Be open to his saving grace. And be open in knowing that faith in Jesus makes us righteous. Clean before God. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you so much. What an amazing, amazing story that you have.